the great plan of restoration, the new heavens and the new earth. Absolutely awesome. Now let's just hope mankind doesn't screw it up again like we did last time, right? In fact, how can we know that, that sin and destruction and death won't spoil things again? How do we know that this time will be different than the last time we found ourselves with a blank slate? Back in the Garden of Eden, open creation before us and God Almighty by our side. We messed that one up. And then there was also a different sort of a reset button with the flood. But despite the new attempt through Noah and his family, human nature was not renewed. Genesis 8.21 tells us the inclination of the human heart was still toward evil and rebellion. So what's going to be different this time with the great plan of restoration? Well, almost everything is different. For one, we had the one man, Adam, representative and impacted over the whole of humanity. Now, we have the one man, Jesus, representative and impacted over the whole of humanity. Romans 5, 15, really the whole section there in Romans 5 uh, that we could share, but especially this. But the free gift of Jesus is not like the trespass of Adam. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Furthermore, we've got history behind us at this point. We've got everything from original sin to God's covenant promises and the law. We've got the incarnation. We've got the resurrection. We've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the history of the church. We've got our souls brought into existence, weaved together by the hands of God in the image of God. And we've got this, the scope and the scale of revelation. We've got everything that plays out in the scroll of the Lamb, the cosmic battles, the final and full defeat of Satan and all rebellious wicked powers forever dealt with. This is why the rebellious ways of the wicked must be fully and completely dealt with. Only the redeemed and the renewed of the Lord can stand in this new creation. Almost everything is different this time around. In fact, the only thing that isn't different is God himself and his permanency, his unchanging nature and his accomplished purposes. That's how we can know that this time will be different. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. 
because we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, Jesus, not like him, Adam. There's a becoming pure, not arriving, always a work in progress. That's us in this present state. And then there is a purified point, glorified hearts, glorified bodies, just as our physical bodies in that resurrected eternal point will no longer be subject to decay, as we talked about last week, because of the perfecting and perfected work of Jesus on our behalf. We will also be morally without sin, intellectually without falsehood, physically without imperfections, and continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what we have to die to, our old imperfect selves, the self that identified with Adam, and die toward the purified point. When we think of it like this, in light of the coming of the resurrection, this can really rob death of its sting. (laughs) Like we'll talk about next week, see death differently in light of Revelation. Jude 24 through 25, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. He can keep you, preserve you purified. These are the last words, Jude 24 and 25. Those are the last words in our scripture that lead into Revelation. Our stumbling in faith in eternity would be a very big threat if not for he who is able to preserve us. This same one will present his redeemed people blameless, without sin, before the presence of his glory. When we find ourselves before the throne, we will be unblemished, perfected by the work of Christ and the spirit reforming us. We're no longer works in progress towards sanctification and justification. You don't clean yourself up to enter a shower. You enter a shower in order to be cleaned. You don't clean yourself up in order to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and your whole self is clean. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. We have to not just clean ourselves up. That never has really worked anyway. We have to have an entirely new birth by the Spirit. A few more, because this is such a tremendous promise that we must hold fast to. Philippians 3, 20 through 21, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. 
2 Corinthians 4.11, for we who live are being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And at this point in perfected humanity, we hear the definitive, satisfied, joy-filled proclamation from the throne. It is done. Revelation 21.6. He will have brought it all to perfect completion. So our guarantee, our eternal security of heaven and perfection and endurance and eternal faithfulness is not within us, but from him. Amen. 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 Today's lesson, we're done with battles. Can you picture that? We're done with judgments and poured out wrath. We're done with threats and blasphemies and violence and destruction and lies and dirtiness and warped perversions of things. We're done with all that. Only the best things remain to enjoy. And it all starts like a wedding day. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. The last two chapters of Revelation don't just press the reset button. Like we're going back to Genesis 1 and 2. They go far beyond Genesis 1 and 2 to a fresh world that is fully in order and in peace, shalom, in which God is fully present with his people, unveiled. God's ultimate purpose in doing this whole creation thing in the first place was to be with his people. We're the ones that left. We are the ones that rebelled, all of us. We followed after the fruit, after the lure of power and worldly pleasures, temptations, self-identification, our will be done. I know better. We took the good gifts that he intended for us and left. And ever since then, the timeless God has been working within time to not just have us go to church and be the church, but to dwell with us fully again, glorifying him through countless diverse activities and adventures that will enjoy him forever. That's what we're gonna explore next week. How you and I can understand everything from the temple to the law to the life of Jesus and how we can now see it backwards with this as our new foundation. 
I can obey God. I can watch my mouth. I can care for the poor. I can evangelize to my friends because of the great plan of restoration. I have to save some of that kind of stuff for for next week. (laughs) There is a really good reason we're not done after this week. We got one more. You won't want to miss it. Let's keep going with Revelation 21. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place or the tabernacle of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For these former things have passed away. I really encourage you to do way more work and reflection and immersion in that passage right there than we're gonna have time to today. Just let it soak over you over and over and over. The final vision of the marriage of heaven and earth. Creation has been been restored. Culture has been renewed. Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, they'll stand says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. Humanity and all of our glorious diversity that reflects our maker has been fully healed from the pains of history. Every step that the bride of the lamb takes towards the groom on this wedding day is a step forward into a new reality of peace and harmony before God. No tears. The groom is there to wipe away every tear. It's not just that there is no longer any reason for tears. No, he will wipe away every tear. This is a beautiful, intimate picture. And death? has been forever dismantled. This is why 1 Corinthians 15, 26 tells us that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The one who did it before on Easter Sunday does it right here. Revelation 21, 5. It is done. It's no wonder, or maybe I should actually say it's a great wonder that this is the final point that John gets carried away in the spirit, 21.10, to a high mountain showing him the bride, the wife of the lamb, verses nine and 10 there. Each time we see John in the spirit, remember it's at four pivotal points, four key signposts of revelation in the great reveal. And this is the last one. The new Jerusalem, the holy city, the bride of the lamb, having the glory of God 
its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates and on the north, three gates and on the south, three gates and on the west, three gates. The gates of Jerusalem presently, like right now, they're looking like this. I think we have a picture. The gates of Jerusalem, this is the Damascus gate. Upon the wall that Nehemiah built, after the forces of evil attacked and destroyed the city, the gates and the walls will no longer be subject to enemy forces. They will no longer stand for protection. They will stand now as eternal reminders of how we got to this point throughout the story of history, his story. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That one verse is a sermon in itself. Let's pause. Like I said earlier, and like I'm gonna really emphasize next week, this really stands out for me. Read your Bibles backwards from this point in Revelation to the Gospels. Right here, we see in the new eternal Jerusalem, there are 12 foundations and 12 names of the apostles. And then go back to the beginning of Mark. With that in your mind, go back to the beginning of Mark and go, these guys? <laughs> these guys? One day they were just fishermen. They were just doing their job. And it just so happened on that day, a guy named Jesus came by and changed not only the course of their life, not only their careers. When Jesus called them, he knew he was calling guys that right now look like bumbling idiots. But he goes, your names are gonna be a foundation for all of eternity for billions. <laughs> In the new Jerusalem, just a few fishermen, a few tax collectors, bumbling fools at times. Upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. This included, by the way, John. When the author sees the 12 names of the apostles, he would have seen his own name there, eternally set as a foundation for the people of God, the bride, the new Jerusalem. So let me preach for a second. That right there is a powerful message to us of God's grace. Wherever there have been hangups and struggles and shortcomings in our lives, even all of our imperfections, the big stuff, redeemed people of Jesus will stand one day and for all of eternity perfectly held and perfectly preserved in righteousness. What rewards or landmarks or memories will you encounter across 
all of history based on the kind of life that you're living right now? Do you see why over and over and over our Bibles tell us don't get hung up by sin? Don't limit what God wants to do in your life. He wants to unblush promises and works in you and through you. Don't even let your own shortcomings keep you from that great stuff that you're gonna encounter and you'll be a walking along streets of gold and come to this signpost. This is in honor of when that person did this. Praise be to God for working through them. How might we actually practically live differently in light of this? <laughs> the point of all of Revelation. I see it now. God be praised. Let his church endure. It's worth it. Fast forward to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city. For the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for a sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. The radiant presence of God permeates every square inch of this new creation not just limited to a tabernacle or a temple or bodies. He is sufficient. He is all we need. This wedding day-like celebration is the party that kicks it off for all of eternity. And as if that view were not enough, let's keep going. Chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. This is Genesis-rich imagery here. It's also echoed in Ezekiel 47, Psalm 46. With the river of the water of life and the fruitful tree of life, the one we were restricted from eating from, because we would have been locked in our rebellious, corrupted state forever. But we had to die to that corrupted nature and those that chose to allow Jesus to baptize us and cleanse us from our old selves. We are renewed, made new, born again, and able to enjoy the great fruit of that tree at last. Revelation chapter 22 sees this. Humanity is back in their purpose of Genesis to rule as God's image, to carry his name in integrity, and to take this creation into new 
in uncharted territory. I want us to to see that on the screen. I want to read that again. Humanity is back to their purpose of Genesis, to rule as God's image, to carry his name and integrity, and to take this creation into new and uncharted territory. Let's take this new creation in exploration and adventure and adoration to a whole new level, God says. I heard a line once, I think it was in in Peter Pan that said, to die will be an awfully big adventure. You're right. To work the fresh heavens and the fresh earth after the resurrection into new and uncharted territory will be an awfully big adventure. And there we will see his face. Verse four, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. 1 John 3, verse 2, like I quoted before, the assurance that we have in our eternal preservation. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Picture that, people in the seven churches. Those that heard about the life of this man named Jesus, and they're presently suffering for him. Maybe they're wondering, is all my endurance really worth it? Wondering, can I really hang on? Because the threats coming against me from Rome are serious. Maybe people who wish they had firsthand accounts of Jesus. Hold on for this. No more veil. No more distortion. Perfected intimacy and fellowship and representation. You will be face to face. Verse six, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And just before the reveal is over, because it kind of feels like that's a great ending right there, right? It echoes the beginning, chapter one, verse three. John finds himself scolded (laughs) once again by an angel getting carried away worshiping the experience, the messenger apart from God. Yes, this is great stuff and it wells you up in excitement, but don't worship the messenger. Don't get caught up or carried away in experiences. Even the revival-like mountaintop emotional outpourings, even the great singers or the great styles of music that really resonate with us or preachers that we really resonate with, even the great angelic gospel deliverers worship 
God. I am coming soon. We read that three times. Verse seven, behold, I am coming soon. Verse 12, behold, I am coming soon. And verse 20, surely I am coming soon. Here we're remembering what we read about and encountered all the way back in week one, all the way back there, the sense of time. Revelation has a sense of time that is critical to understanding it. Where we presently have a sense of immediacy and imminency to all of this, God's purposes are certain as he is outside of time, above all time, ensuring that the permanency and the certainty of what he promises will be revealed. And for us, here's the challenge. We get to the end of Revelation, we close maybe our Bibles, and where do we find ourselves? Still in the midst of history, (laughs) with beasts and prostitutes all around us doing their thing. And so did the people of the seven churches. There will come a definitive point where we all will be A point when everything from the worship songs to the pouring out of the judgments to the removal of restraints of the enemy to being given away to themselves will all not not just be pointed to and prophesied about, but will all be realized and final. But we're not done. We're given this great gift to see above it all. But when we close this, we remember We're still here. So endure. Hold fast. Stay pure. Call people to repent. Take seriously every opportunity we have while we await this finality. And worship. Worship like never before. Sing to the Lord a new song. We're gonna talk about that with one more week. You won't wanna miss it. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's study. If you're interested in giving for ministry and service information and much more, visit our website at timberlinechurch.org. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.